On Wednesday nights, we have been studying through the Lord's Prayer. Very infrequently will we have sermon series that kind of overlap one another. But in studying the Lord's Prayer on Wednesday evening, we began last week studying prayer, everything by prayer. Make your requests known unto God, the Apostle Paul wrote to the believers at Philippi. And on Wednesday this last week, we were listening as Jesus dignified our physical needs by praying, give us this day our daily bread. He communicates in that moment that prayer should at a bare minimum be a daily occurrence. It is a recognition of our complete dependence upon God. A beautiful thing about scripture study is Bible always backs Bible, and today will overlap Jesus' request, give us this day our daily bread, with the prayer of a man named Edgar in Proverbs chapter 30. It has been said that you can learn a lot about a person by listening to them pray. And here we're going to listen in on a man who learned a lot himself. Agur is a pseudonym for Solomon. It means gatherer. It is a man who has gathered a list of, of proverbs. Here there are many numerical lists in the 30th chapter here of Proverbs. Very interesting read. This prayer that Agur prays is the first in his numbered list. It's the shortest of all the lists in here. So in a way, I really think we could say with truth, we have Agur's prayer list before us, and it teaches us a lot. And it links directly to Jesus praying, give us this day our daily bread. In chapter 30 and verse 7, I'll begin reading. If you don't have your Bible, the verses will be here on the screen. This is God's word. Let's listen in as he prays. Two things have I required of thee. Deny me them not before I die. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. And if we're going to learn a lot about Edgar as we listen to him pray, certainly there is stuff in here for us to learn to apply to our own prayer life. And the first thing I make note of in here is that successful prayer requires humility. Humility is necessary for us to succeed in our prayer. Note how he began as he prays in verse 7. Two things have I required. The date is being given. Like he is trying to extract something from the stingy hands of God. Two things have I required of thee. But there is no mandate. There is no demand within there. What it is, is a declaration that I require this of you because I do not have this in and of myself. I require this of you because otherwise I am utterly poverty stricken of it. I know that his prayer is urgent. But in here, as he prays this, he is communicating humility. Now, we'll back up just a little bit, and I want you to listen to how Edgar describes himself in verse 2. He says, surely I am more brutish than any man, and have not the understanding 
of a man. Now, when he says, surely I am more brutish than any man and have not the understanding of a man, do you think that he is pumping himself up? Not at all. In fact, what he is saying is, I declare unto you that I am ignorant. I declare unto you that within me, I have no brutish than any man. I don't even claim to have any understanding. He goes on in verse 3. I neither learned wisdom nor have the knowledge of the holy. Then he asks a question. Who hath ascended up into heaven or descended? Who hath gathered the wind in his fists? Who hath bound the waters in a garment? Who hath established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? And what is his son's name, if thou canst tell? Now that's big time, high Bible language, isn't it? I mean, I've never asked the question, who has gathered the seas? Who has gathered the wind in their garments? Now you felt that as you walked into the lobby this morning. The wind ripped through your garments. He is using high language. What he is saying sounds strikingly similar to what Job said. He is beginning this prayer by saying to us, I know nothing. In fact, I have searched everywhere and I have found no place of enduring wisdom. I cannot contain within me the knowledge of holy things. I am a mere man. Now, I want you to listen as Job prayed. Job said this in Job 28 not the price thereof, neither is it found in the land of the living. The depth saith, it's not in me. And the sea saith, it's not with me. It cannot be gotten for gold. Neither shall silver be weighed for the price thereof. It cannot be valued with the gold of Ophir, with the precious onyx, or the sapphire. Job, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is saying what Agur says under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in the 30th Psalm. In me dwelleth no good thing. I cannot understand how to navigate life. I don't know of any place where wisdom can just be found on this earth. I can't buy it. Even if I had a mound of gold, onyx, or precious stone, I can't. I I know I could go swimming to the bottom of the sea. It's not in there. I could climb a high tree. It's not there. Where is it? As Job writes on. He'll conclude and he'll say this in verse 28 of Job 28. Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. Here is what Agur is teaching us. And it's backed by Job and it is repeated. I don't care what level of education you have attained. Nor the social status step you have achieved on the ladder of life. I'm not concerned about your experience. I am a husband. Glad to be. I am a father of two. Glad to be. I am a pastor of a church. Glad to be. I don't know how to be a husband innately. I don't know how to be a dad experientially. I don't just have a resource that tells me how to pastor according to God's way, and neither do you. And what Edgar is teaching us is this, stop going through life like you have everything figured out. 
Stop having conversations relationally. Stop making choices and decisions based on your intellect and your experience. You better start every day by coming before God with empty hands saying, I am bereft of any know-how. But here's the thing. All of us are having conversations. All of us are making numerous decisions. And we're doing all of it based on what we know. And then... When our life is an utter and complete mess, rather than blame ourselves, we look at our circumstances and say, but if not for that, things would be okay. When the reality is our life is a compilation of all our carnal and fleshly choices. And, 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 and understand, not all of them are made maliciously. Not all of them are born of ill intent. It's just ignorance. I don't know what I don't know, and I don't know anything. That's what Agur's teaching us. Two things have I required of thee, because I do not have these things in and of myself. I don't know anything. He's praying very scripturally. In fact, in the fifth verse, he says, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Every word of God is pure. Do you actually believe that, Agur? He does. Because he's praying something very similar to the 18th Psalm in verse 30 where we read, As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in him. What he's teaching us is this. I don't know how to be a husband or a dad. I don't know how to navigate life with you. I don't know how to have a conversation or make a decision. I I have no awareness of what's going on in my own heart. I'm deceived. But I know that God has told me in here what is truth. And I know that I can go to him in prayer and find out what I should do. He prays in verse 6, add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee and thou be found a liar. That echoes Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 2. All I'm saying is that Eger is teaching us humility is necessary. He is teaching us that when we enter into prayer, our heart set should be I don't know and I offer nothing. But what I do know is you've revealed in your word truth and what I do know is that I can come to you and find wisdom. Humility is necessary for us to succeed in prayer. And then this, urgency is vital. Now now let me clarify this. I don't mean the nature of our requests must always be urgent. Have you ever had an urgent prayer request? Oh Lord, I need to hit the Powerball. I need to hit the Powerball. You ever had a prayer in a hospital hallway? Or what is known as a foxhole prayer where the nature of the request is urgent? I need this. I am shamelessly asking for this because the nature of my request is urgent. I'm not saying that what Agur is praying up is necessarily an urgent request in that vein. But I want you to listen to what he says. In verse 7, the second part, deny me them not before I die. Isn't that really urgent language? Two things have I required of thee. I don't have these in and of myself, so you must supply them. Deny me not these things before I die. Now, does this sound like a man who's on his deathbed? I mean, I'm checking out. I'm dying here. You ever felt like that? I live my life like that. Everything is life and death to me. Everything. I can go on a run and I think a mile in, I'm dying. And you say, well, you just say that. No, I actually think it. 
I'm dying. This is it. I die in the street on a run? How many of you have a gumball tree in your yard? The kind of tree that spits the brown spiky things into your yard? Yeah. That's part of the curse of sin. (laughs) I have one of those that I'm convinced spits 20,000 gumballs. And yesterday, I was cleaning up the gumballs in the front yard with a blower. And I know you think, well, just rake them. It goes faster. But I'd prefer to do this. This just feels so much easier than this. And you say, well, if that's how you rake, I get why it doesn't work. Leave me alone. I I had all the gumballs in a big pile, and then I had to get on hands and knees and put them into a tarp all by myself. No family help. No one really loves me. No one really understands. As I was scooping them in, I thought to myself, I'm going to die out here in the yard doing this. Then I looked at the gumball tree and I thought, no, you're going to die. I'm not saying that Ager is drumming up some sense of drama. Deny me this not before I die, but he is articulating a very real truth. I know that I'm not going to be here forever. And he is praying with an eternal perspective. He is praying with a life or death focus. He realizes I'm not going to be here forever My days are precious. Clearly he had numbered his days as Moses encouraged and prayed that God would help him to do. Teach me to number my days so that I might apply my heart unto wisdom. What Agar is saying is this. Every day of my life is urgent because I'm never gonna get another crack at it. And I start by saying I have nothing in me that enables me to successfully navigate what is before me. And I'm never going to get another shot at it. So God, I need you desperately today. That's the urgency of the prayer of Jesus when he says, give us this day our daily bread. If you don't step up today, I've got nothing. Think for just a second. Urgency is vital. Humility is necessary. And then listen to his requests. He says, remove far from me vanity and lies. Vanity and lies. I'm not smart enough to not waste my days in futility and to not be deceived by all of the deceptive forces that exist. James taught us this in the New Testament. He writes in James 1.5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. What does he want rid of? Vanity and lies. Vanity. What is vanity? Is vanity just being concerned with what you see in the mirror? No. Vanity as it is used here speaks to emptiness. That which has no value, that which has no meaning. It's the same Hebrew word that was used in the Ten Commandments when we read, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. It's falsehood. It's it's emptiness. There's no value in it. Solomon, the author of this, writes in Ecclesiastes that he is the king in Jerusalem. Solomon had whatever he wanted to have. He enjoyed life to the hilt. He was educated to a great degree. He even says, I am the king in Jerusalem. Now get this, if if somebody who had nothing to their name said that I have a deemed life vanity, 
we would think, well, I get it. You have nothing. Of course, your life is vain. But he says, no, I'm the king in Jerusalem. David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit hath a man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? I have everything there is to have, and I tell you, it is empty. Here is what Agur is praying. God, keep me from wasting my days in futility. Keep me from squandering my moments and my hours in that which will simply be burned up. Stop worrying about that which is under the sun and temporal and focus on the spiritual. That's what he's praying. You ever pause to consider what is going to come of all that is in this earth? Peter writes in 2 Peter 3, But the heavens and the earth which are now that which you can see, by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men until that day. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but as long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come. As a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and get this, and the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Which means... All of the temporal things that concern us so greatly really don't matter for eternity. That's why Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, just a little bit after he says, give us this day our daily bread, will teach and say this, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. This is perspective altering. Remove from me all of this emptiness and futility that this temporal world offers. It is a prayer that laser focuses on that which matters for eternity. Do you realize how many of us love to waste time. I do. I love, right now, many of you are wasting an hour. I get it. I see it on your face. Waste a moment, waste an hour. It's nice. But there isn't one person in here who wants to waste their life. How many marriages have been wrecked? How many kids, how many kids' lives have been thwarted because their home was run by emotion. How many people have been lied to by the devil? How many people have been lied to by the world and this cosmos, this world system, which is anti-Christ and anti-God? And what Agur is saying is this, I want to hear truth, I want to discern truth, and I want to speak truth. Now, I know this. Many of us have prayed the first part of that, right? Please, God... Don't give me poverty. And I know, as I referenced a couple of Wednesday nights ago, we fear God's will. Because to us, God's will is always poverty, loneliness, and suffering. God, may your will be. I mean, I don't know who prays. God, whatever you do, do not give me riches. Please, God, don't give me riches. Now, what is Edgar praying? Give me neither poverty nor riches. Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. He's talking about moderation. 
He is praying for a state of contentment. He is saying, I realize there is a spiritual pitfall on both sides of this thing. If I have too much, there's a spiritual pitfall that I will forget God and my dependence on him. There is a spiritual pitfall that exists over here on the poverty end of things where I might change how I behave or act or treat people and I might besmirch the name of God. Don't give me either extremes. Give me a daily allowance. That's in effect what he says. Feed me with food that is convenient for me. The Christian walk is a daily walk. Our life is to be lived out in that way. You know, most people always want bigger and better, right? I mean, more. I need more money. I need a bigger house. I need more car. I need more in my life. I need more opportunity. More, more, more. And Edgar says to us here, that's not what I'm praying for. I, I know what, what a much and too much is, is a greater problem for us than too little because too few of us have too little. Say that five times. But too many of us have too much. Eger's teaching us something important. He's not endorsing minimalism, nor is he suggesting that having wealth and influence is bad. What he is saying is, God, I need your help through all of it. And he sums it up. Just give me a daily allowance. Feed me with food that is convenient for me. And again, that's what Jesus taught us. Give us this day our daily bread. And and in the day of Christ, most of the population was a day laborer. They were rewarded for that day by a daily wage. Saving money was almost impossible. If they did not have something given to them that day, they would not have money to buy food for that day. And again, Bible on top of Bible principles, all through this, we realize that this is what... Moses warned the children of Israel about. Children of Israel whining and complaining in the wilderness. I, that's a whiny group of people. A murmuring group of people. They lived a hyperbolic existence, a lot like I do. Everything was life and death, and everything was the worst it's ever been. And they got themselves to the place where they thought life in Egypt was actually pretty awesome. Stupid. Moses realizes that you all have lived completely and utterly dependent on God every day. If he did not give you manna, you did not have anything to eat. And God made it that way. He said, now don't take more than you can eat, because if you take more than you can eat, it will breed worms and it will stink. And if you take too little, that's on you. You're going to go hungry because I've put it out there for you. But you got to have enough for today. And... If God doesn't show up again tomorrow, you're not going to have any manna, save on the Sabbath. That's a whole nother message. We'll leave it for another day. But as Moses is getting them to the promised land, he speaks to them a warning, and here's what he says. When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. So every time that you eat and every time you're full, say thank you, God. And then he says this, beware. Now, nobody needs that word explained. Beware. That thou forget not the Lord thy God. Beware that you stop keeping his commandments. Beware that you reject his judgments and his statutes, which I commend you. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full, and hast built goodly houses, and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God. 
Here is the spiritual pitfall of having too much. We forget that everything we have comes from God. And we start to trust in our riches. Get it? There is no sin in having wealth. There is sin in trusting our wealth over God. And if I have two days worth of food in the warehouse, I'm not so concerned that God shows up today because I got an extra day in the warehouse. But if I live with the awareness that every bit of bread I have is because God gave it to me, I always live dependent on him. Think about how much you and I forget God. Independent of God. It's my expertise. It's my personality. I busted down doors of opportunity. Because sovereign God has graciously allowed it. Get it? If God wanted to drop you right now, he could. Like a dead bush in the yard. Gone. Over. But you're still here. So what I would say is exactly what Moses said. So say thank you. So say thank you. Everything that you have is because God has allowed it to be. He's not just being humble, is Agur. What is true for Agur is true for most of us. The idolatry that comes from greed is a repercussion of having too much. But he also realizes he doesn't want to have too little. And too little would override his integrity and he might steal food. He might get caught. God's name would be dragged through the mud. He is simply teaching us to pray for contentment. You say, I cannot get there. I've striven for contentment. And then I see somebody else's car. I strive for contentment. And then I see somebody else's incredible head of hair. I used to have an incredible head of hair. Used to. And what Edgar is saying is this. Look, man, if you have a great head of hair, seriously, say thank you to God. Because only God has allowed you to have that. And that's what God has deemed necessary for you. Think for just a minute about what he is teaching us. Paul said, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Do you realize that we put that on a mug? I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And we're like, I can get that job. I can do it. And what he is saying is, I've learned how to be content. I've learned how to abound and to suffer me. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthen. I can learn contentment. He wrote to Timothy and he said to Timothy, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Proverbs chapter 15, we read, Better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. No one is saying it's always easy to live with contentment, but what we must determine is to always live with the reality that we need God. We are too independent. I think that one of the decisions that happens like this, literally by a lot of believers, is I should pray. You say, well, come on, man. No, I think there's a lot of believers who don't pray daily or weekly, monthly. It's been a while. I think some people just need to go, oh, yeah, I need to pray. Then I think there are others of us who are living life Because we know how to talk and we know how to act and we know what to do and we know where to be and we are so dependent on our own intellect and experience and wisdom that we're navigating life living much less than God actually intended for us because we're not doing it his way or according to his will. But we are making it through. Some of us just need to go before God humbly and say, hey, 
uh, I am more brutish than any man. The only place I know where wisdom exists is hearing your word and there with you. I don't have any of it. Could you help me? I think some of us need to return to an urgency with an awareness that we don't have forever. We're not going to get a do-over on today. There needs to be a life and death focus. I don't mean that every request is of an urgent nature, but there is an urgency to our prayer life because we do not want to spend our days in that which is empty and vain and going to be burnt up. And we do not have the luxury of being deceived or manipulated by our own emotions or our heart or the devil or this world into going down a path. Not even one step down the wrong path. We don't have time for that. There's a spiritual pitfall for having too much. God, I don't want to forget you. A spiritual pitfall for having too little. I don't want to be a bad testimony. Feed me with food that is convenient for me. God, I need you this moment. I need you today. It's not that Edgar doesn't want anything. He just wants God more than any one thing. That's what he's saying. And until we get to the place where that's where we are, our prayers will continue to be hindered. Empty, vain, and unsuccessful. Praying like Agur prays here leads to patience. Feed me with food that is convenient for me, which means when things aren't moving fast enough, instead of being anxiety-ridden, we just rest in that God has given me what I need today. And when things are moving too fast and it's chaotic, we don't think, I'll never survive this. We just acknowledge this is what he's deemed I needed today. In fact, I'm encouraging 95% of humanity because I would say, as one author said, your boring, narrow, straight down the middle path can lead you to purpose, doing great things and finding joy-filled satisfaction one day at a time, as God would deem it. Everything by prayer, even the everyday. This is truly an everyday prayer. You say, so would I be wrong if I prayed Eger's prayer To God, no, I think that would be great. But then we fall into the trap of vain repetition, right? And empty words. What is most important is that we understand the heart behind Eger's prayer and then pray it. Thanks for listening this week to the Graceway Baptist Church podcast. For more information about our church and our ministries, head on over to our website at gracewaycharlotte.org. We are a church located in South Charlotte. We are growing, and our ministries are doing big things for Christ. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, email us at info at gracewaycharlotte.org. Also, stay in the loop with everything happening by following us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle is gracewaycharlotte. Thanks again for listening to the Graceway Charlotte podcast. We'll see you next week.